Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Hannah Elliott, and this is Hot Pursuit. All right, today on the show, uh, because we're wrapping up uh, the year 2023 and looking forward to 2024, Hannah, I thought we'd talk about what we're most excited about. You just put out a story about the the coolest things, and last week we talked about our winners and losers for 2023, but we'll talk about what we're looking forward to for 2024. I also want to talk about the Ford F-150. Yes. As you know, I love love trucks, and I'm a huge lover of the F-150. And they had a little bit of a news uh, peg this week. Yeah, and actually, I'm just remembering, this was the vehicle I learned to drive stick on way back in the day, my dad's old wow, Ford. That is so cool. I do have a little bit of a soft spot for old, big black Ford trucks. That is Tough to beat. That is awesome. Yeah, agreed. And so the news is that they're, uh, for the 47th year, the best-selling truck in America. Uh, for the 42nd year, they're the best-selling vehicle overall. Americans just love trucks. Shocking. Shocking yeah. if you don't know that already. Now, I think everyone knows it already, but I always think, um, look, I'm a Ford fan, but I always think GM, you know, sometimes outsells Ford. But since they have their trucks split into different brands, GMC and Chevy, uh, you know, um, Sierra and Silverado, they don't count them together. I always think that's kind of unfair. I think General Motors could combine their brands if they wanted, if they really care. And they want to go head to head with Ford. Combine the brands. All right. Then we'll a, then we'll see. It's a good point. And uh, our star auto analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence, Kevin Tynan, agrees with you. We talked to him earlier. Let's listen to what he had to say. Dan Barbosa sent out a press release yesterday from Ford saying, "Like it's the 47th straight year as America's best-selling truck, 42nd straight year as America's best-selling vehicle." And every time I see that, it's like. I'm sort of proud. I'm an F-150 lover. You know, I had uh, the first Raptor. But um, on the other hand, I feel like if you put Silverado and Sierra together, they would sometimes outsell the F-150. So it's not really a fair claim, really. GM trucks sometimes outsell Ford trucks. What do you think? Well, then you could put everything on that platform together and, you know, where does it end? So I think when you when you talk about a nameplate, that's a legitimate claim. You know, because then otherwise you would just put it all together on the platform, you know, that T1 platform and you get into Suburbans and Tahoes and right because it's all underpinned by the same thing. So so I'm OK with I'm, I'm OK with making that call. Hannah, this must be something that you note often in stories because yeah. it's just like it's American car lore, right? If you don't know, it's a really shocking statistic to sort of throw out there and get people's attention. I'm just so curious, Kevin, to hear your opinion of why the if the F-150 is so popular and best-selling, and we know it is, why hasn't the electric version uh, been a smash success? Matt and I have discussed this, but I want to hear from you as an analyst. What's your take on that? Yeah, and I think if you look at F-150 or even the entire F-Series, 
you know, there's a lot of fleet and meaning commercial. Um, and those buyers, when you think about the commercial buyer, you've built a business around the capabilities of those vehicles, right? So when you look at something like F-Series, and let's say they'll report 20, 25, 30% fleet sales, you know, those are your contractors and building maintenance. So that business is built on the capability of that vehicle, which is why you're not going to get a lot of movement between not only Ford and F-150 Lightning, but to Silverado or Sierra or Cybertruck. I will say that my Raptor, which was the first generation with the 6.2 liter uh, V8, is still my favorite car of all time that I've ever owned. And that includes a 911 what? and it includes what a about G Wagon. The G? Oh, no. It includes Matt. my Challenger, oh. which I am which I love right now. This is heresy. No, because it was just Hannah. It was so versatile. It was so. I did a lot of stuff. I was hauling motorcycles around a lot. Funnily enough, because it was the Raptor trim, it didn't really have enough payload for a cord of wood, which I found super annoying. I still put a cord of wood in the bed. My wife loved it. You know, it was great in all weather. It was just such a cool truck. But having said that, I then bought a Chevy truck years later. Like, I love Ford. I loved Alan Mulally dearly. You know, um, I love Farley and the whole crew. But I saw in the ZR2 something that I thought I would like, and it didn't. There were, brand loyalty didn't stop me from reaching across the aisle, you know? We're not in the market where we were just buying the deal as consumers the way we did pre-pandemic, um, just because the deals aren't there the way they used to be, because inventory is a little bit more rational than um, it was pre-pandemic, say 2019 and earlier. But you're not using it, you know, it's your knock-around truck. Right. Like you said, you're throwing bikes in the back of it. You may be pulling some things every once in a while. A couple of bags of mulch in the spring. Exactly. You know, so. It was my dad truck. <laughs> I was right, going to say, so. I think we can un- I think we can agree. Matt's not the typical truck buyer, probably. And we and that's great. We love you for it. I feel like you could get the same amount of use out of a truck as I would, Hannah. But oh, you... definitely with the dog, yeah. absolutely, and like a big a big piece of property that I'm constantly buying plants and going to exactly you know, buy soil and weird tools and stuff. Of course, that's like honestly not that much. You know, I could probably do the same. With it's a, fun though. It, it's big, and you yes. you can build a little bit of a hobby around it. You know, you can make definitely. yourself a go bag, and you can be kind of a prepper. You know, it is a lifestyle Ready? choice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not there yet, but if I buy property in Pioneer Town or Yucca Valley, um, feel free to feel free to alert some somebody. So, Kevin, is there a reason you think that? Americans gravitate toward this truck more than any other. Like, is there something that the F-150 does right that everyone else gets wrong? I will say that I, at the end of the ownership of both, I far prefer the F-150. Um, just everything about it was easier to use and worked better, and I felt like was built with a higher quality standard. Yeah, I mean, look, I just looked at the numbers, and for through November... Ford, you know, that's like a 740,000 unit run rate. If you want to combine Silverado and Sierra, it's a little bit more, uh, maybe by about 820,000 units. So it's not like anybody's doing anything wrong, per se. I mean, there's they're selling a lot of units there. But look, I, and I've said this for years, that's where the money is. I think we have a tendency to look at things from a consumer's perspective, thinking, oh, it's capable and there's great utility and 
it's rugged and I'm, you know, I'm cool dad in it and whatever. But the, at the end of the day, you know, as a manufacturer, that's where you want the consumer to go. So there's a lot of ways to do that, right? You make really good trucks and you make some other stuff like, you know, not profitable coupes and sedans that aren't as good. And I say, like, you're the perfect example that I give that that segment, full-size pickup, which is, you know, F-Series, it's Silverado Sierra, it's Ram, uh, you know, Tundra, Titan, which are 4 or 5% of that segment, is the largest in the U.S. by retail revenue, by a wide margin, by a lot, which, if you think about it, is almost ridiculous, that that's what you know, not only are our commercial buyers buying, but the regular suburban dad is driving full size. I mean, I can walk down my street here in suburban outside of Princeton, New Jersey. And, you know, there's there's 150s in almost every driveway. So just on another topic completely, and Matt and I are going to talk about this, too. But what are you looking forward to driving next year? I'm a very analog. Of person. course. My son just picked up an older ML55, really the first fast truck, I think, from Mercedes. And that's his knockaround, right? He's got his little Roadster SL convertible, and now he wanted a knockaround for Man, the you winter. guys love so Mercedes. You I are very brand loyal because you have at least one, right? I, I have a V12 SL. Yeah. He has a V8 SL, and now the ML55, so... I think those are coming um, yeah, up too. You know what? Yeah. That that M113 engine that's in his SL500, which was my car for about seven years, I kind of gifted it to him as a graduation present. Good dad. You know, there's so few things left, right? Camaro's dead now. Um, you say that you with know. a certain twinge. Challenger's your... dead, dude. That, my Challenger, <laughs> by the way, you know my Challenger was built on a Mercedes platform, right? It's yeah. on the like W220 platform From or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, and I was a big Trans Am guy. I wasn't, I was an F-body guy, but not the Camaro side. I was the Trans Am side. Um, so, you know, that makes me sad that the fire breathers are kind of going away. And look, I get it, right? We've talked about it, Matt. Fast is fast. So you make an electric Challenger or Charger and you can blast around town or whatever. I don't know. I, it's just not the same to me. I, I agree. I no, like- I don't think fast is fast. I don't care if your electric car goes zero to 60 in, you yeah. know, three and a half seconds. And, uh, you know, it takes me six and a half. I'm having a lot more fun with yeah. a big like naturally winning, aspirated I, I, I think fast is fast. I mean, it, yeah. I, it's nice to be in front. That's what I'm going to say. It's nice <laughs> to be in front. I need the vibes well, we and were- the smell <laughs> and the sound. And uh, the- enjoy it. You can enjoy that back there. <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you. <laughs> See you later. I mean, and, and look, there's there's a lot more to, you know, and it's sort of whatever you're into. What are you looking yeah. forward to in 2024? Like, what are you excited to test he's drive? He's reaching. You- he, I feel that he, I sense that he's he's reaching, which is telling. Yeah. Uh, Monterey Car Week, uh, we saw Spectre, which was really cool. The Rolls-Royce. The Rolls-Royce electric coupe, yep. And Hannah's yeah. driven it already. Yep. Have you driven it? Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. What's the range? What's like it, the range it, on Spectre? Because I had like a little Instagram yeah. argument with people about it this week. To me, if I'm paying a half a million dollars for a car, it's got to have decent range. It's got to do as well as like a a GM product, and it doesn't even come close to what the Escalade EV is going to be. 
right? Hannah, yeah, it's, well, it's only like a hundred miles or something I was, ridiculous. I, I was going to say it, it's less, it's not competitive. I mean, that's, that's just the honest truth. The range is yeah. not competitive, but um, then again, as Rolls Royce will very happily remind you, you know, most of their customers are not going to be driving 300 miles a day. They're going to be driving 50 or 60 miles around London and then go go back home to their estate. It's a good point. Um, Car and driver says it'll get 264 to 291 miles. So, yeah. And what's, what's amazing is that you drive any other Rolls Royce with the by turbo V12 and it feels exa- it feels electric anyway. Yeah, right? yeah. imperceptible like, difference really. Yeah, 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 it's amazing that it's almost the same driving experience uh, with a completely different drivetrain. But if I'm well, on a Ghost or a Cullinan, I can pull up to any gas station in the country and they are plentiful and, uh, and be on will. my way in 5 to 10 minutes, right? Which is very different yeah. than if I go to Electrify America, you know, four of their six chargers are broken. Two of them are already being used and running slow. I would say, uh, and I say this as I just, uh, we just published uh, my favorite cars that I drove in 2023, and Spectre's on that list. And I would gently remind you that anybody who can spend half a million dollars on a Rolls Royce has a charger at home. So I, yet again, I don't think they're going to be pulling into, you know, the 7-Eleven with broken chargers <laughs> on the side. Fair. Fair point. All right. Awesome. Kevin, dude, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, Kevin. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so that was Kevin Tynan, our uh, star automotive analyst from Bloomberg Intelligence, talking to uh, me and Hannah about Ford and GM and his cars and what he's looking forward to um, in 2024. Why don't we pick up where he left off, Hannah? Um, You know, the Spectre is one you'll be able to buy in 2024. I'm sure he'll be test driving it since his son works for Rolls Royce. And I know you loved it for 2023. Yeah. What are you looking for for 2024? Give me one of your. Well, 
you're going to be happy about this. And this is kind of with a caveat because the car is has already, it's already debuted, but um, we haven't really seen deliveries. And it's the Corvette E-Ray, which you'll be happy to hear about because it's a hybrid and I know you love hybrids. Um, I haven't driven it yet, but um, this is basically Chevy saying, we're going to put a hybrid, this is not a plug-in, we're going to put a hybrid motor in along with the V8 and it's not going to save you any fuel really, but it'll make the vehicle faster. So it's hybrid hybrid used for performance, not necessarily fuel efficiency, was an, which is an interesting uh, philosophy. Which and is like the 918 kind of kicked that off in my of. memory. In, yeah. At least in my memory. There's the first time I thought, oh, hybrid can be awesome because uh, big gas engine and uh, big battery right. power make speed, right? Right. And it is, I, I do own a Corvette. I own a C3. I loved the C8. I still remember driving it just before COVID hit in Las Vegas. I was so impressed. And it was really, you know, obviously um, they made a big change with uh, the engine placement in the C8, but I really, really liked it. So I'm just really curious and fascinated about this, such an old brand, such an old, a long lineage involving now hybrid technology. How do people feel about it? And really, how does it perform? I think it's really cool um, that they're coming out with that and that they did it I am not so sure about the mid-engine uh, issue. <laughs> Why is that? Why because is that? to me, a Corvette is ha- has to have the motor in the front. And I, mm-hmm. when I was living in Germany, I thought about this a lot. Um, on, in my 911, sometimes at very high speeds, you hit the wrong bump around a corner, and the front end kind of lifts sure. up. Of course. And that's, a, that's like a pucker moment there, right? Yeah. And I would always think, man, it would be fun to drive like a Corvette or a uh, big Camaro on the Autobahn, but they're just not... You just can't find them um, no. over there. Yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, and that's part of my fascination because I sense that Corvette is trying to evolve with the times, and I'm very curious to know how this goes. I mean, the mid-engine is one thing, and now is the hybrid a step too far for for these you know fans? I don't I don't know yet. What do you think about so, the Corvette SUV? Apparently, we're going to see that next year too. <laughs> Uh, I'm a little more hesitant about that. I don't know in reality how it can look cool. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like, I mean, I am a massive fan of the older Corvettes. Uh, yeah. Your C3, the C2 yeah. is one of my favorites. I also love yes. the C7. Um, oh, oh, I, I'm not with you on that one. I like it, but I also think it kind of looks like they're taking a bite out of Italian sports cars. Like Definitely. It, it, like they're trying Definitely. to be a Ferrari with that. Yes, and with the, no question. With the Corvette SUV, it looks like it's kind of an Urus yeah, wannabe. I, I, that is, I guess that's where I draw the line. I'm not necessarily concerned about putting a hybrid powertrain in it, but I would draw the line with turning a sports car or a muscle car into an SUV. I mean, Porsche would never do that with the 911. Ford kind of did it with the Mustang, I guess, and... You know, I did not like how that looked. No, the, I don't so, like the Mustang, No, Mustang and it just Mach-E. is ridiculous. It, this this goes down into a path, and I'm going to get on a rant just for a moment, because this goes down the path of words mean nothing, which it drives me crazy as a writer and as a journalist. When you are calling an electric vehicle a turbo, for instance, yeah. the Taycan Turbo, it, it's dumb. It's complete marketing, Agreed. and it means, and I will even go, you know, where BMW sells quote-unquote sport coupes, well, traditionally a coupe is a two-door vehicle. So now when you start selling coupes that have four doors, 
again, I just I just have to roll my eyes. And so now when we're saying a Corvette can be an SUV. I agree with you so much, Hannah. Right? I, it, I just, I get, it's just very annoying. And it's, it Words speaks mean nothing, to the culture. BMW, no, numbers mean nothing anymore Yeah, I mean, do, does anything mean anything? Does yeah. anyone remember time? You know, come on, guys. I think it's, I think the Corvette SUV is kind of interesting in that uh, GM is making Corvette a brand and this brand yeah. is now making an SUV as well as Ugh. well Porsche <laughs> did very well with the Cayenne you know BMW did very well with the X5 and I think they yep. want a little piece of that as well mm-hmm. by the way speaking of Porsche and speaking of hybrids I'm looking forward to seeing if there'll be a 911 hybrid coming out this year I got an answer for you on that well, absolutely not no way no how so every every so, time you ask Porsche they just up and down the wall, they say they will not. Although we do know there's space in the 992 engine configuration for a hybrid motor, and they're we do ma- know and that. they're making and they're making a 992.2 that we'll see this year, right? Mm. And do you know something I don't? No, I'm just, I'm just. This is reporting that I've read in, uh, you know, at Motor Trend or at Car and Driver or whatever, but. They're coming out with supposedly a 992.2. They're going to have new uh, new engine offerings, like a 3.6 liter, um, uh, a new 3.6 liter motor that will be naturally aspirated than GTS, reportedly, and will be turbocharged in the higher trim levels. And I also think that they can put in a 48-volt system. They can make it a mild hybrid without being too mm. offensive, right? Or do you disagree? Um, actually... I will agree with you on that point because I'm all, I'm looking at what I wrote down for the second vehicle that I'm looking forward to driving this year. Yeah. I'll just jump to it. Go for it. Which is the electric 718 from Porsche, ah, which is going which... to replace the Cayman and the Boxster. So my, you know, my sense is Porsche will never do a fully electric 911 because that's the crown jewel and you know they'll hold they out as long so as many, they possibly can. They say they can. won't do it so yeah. many times yeah. that they can't yeah. really do it unless they, they someone can't. important dies. Right, but they <laughs> but they'll they will completely electrify the, you know this will be the first two-door electric Porsche, the 718, the EV 718. By the way, that was a reference to Sergio Marchionne because I remember mm-hmm. when he used to say um, that Ferrari yes. will never make an SUV yes. and yes. anyway, uh I, I I don't believe they'll make an electric 911, but I think that they can put um, you know a strong even an 800 volt architecture in it and sure. a, and a battery that they that works like um, the Kurs system, you know. Uh-huh. So it's like a uh-huh. boost. Uh, uh-huh. Anyway, it'll be cool mm. if they do it, and I, I'm looking forward to uh, to to seeing. I guess my reaction. I'm going to temper it and say now I'm remembering. There is, they've left. A caveat in there for a hybrid in so the 911. Maybe not everyone maybe. would consider it a hybrid because it's not plug-in, but right. uh, just mild. Um, and mild hybrid is, I'm a fan of, of those. All right, I'm looking uh, forward to, speaking of hybrids again, um, new trucks out of Ram. I've, hmm. Stellantis has been an amazing performer in the stock market. Uh, ever since they came together. Um, they were the second best stock of 2023 after Tesla. And it's interesting because they're, some of their brands, their American brands at least, are just dying away, right? Dodge is only going to have um, the Durango and the Hornet, which is really... I know, you know you're a fan. And, and um, Chrysler's only going to have the Pacifica 
at you know the 300 C, the last one rolled off the um, off the line last week. So, but they do have Jeep and Ram, which are very profitable. They just need to grow, right? The TRX mm-hmm. 2024 is the last year for the TRX, which I love that truck so much. And Ram trucks really, I think, surprised the world over the last five or six years by being uh, making a transition to full luxury. The interiors mm-hmm. are better than anything that Ford or mm-hmm. Chevy offers. And now um, they're going to come out with hybrid and electric trucks. They have an electric truck coming out in 2024, I think, in Q4, the Rev, um, which will have only 350 miles of range. It's a lot, I think, but it's not as much as GM is, is proven capable of. Um, but even cooler, they're going to have the Ram Charger, which may not come out until the, the end or the beginning of 2025. But that has a separate Pentastar V6, which isn't mechanically connected to the drivetrain. So the only Why is purpose, that important? It, because it charges the battery for you, and it allows oh. for 690 miles of range on a full charge and, That's I guess, wild. a full tank. Crazy, wild. right? Yeah. So how do you feel about, you know, I don't normally cover trucks in my beat because I only cover the luxury brands, but there are a couple times when the trucks are priced like a luxury vehicle, and you touched on this a little bit, where the cabins are like rolling offices for, you know, people out on the work site. And when the trucks are in the $120,000, $130,000 range with off upgrades and, and options, um, it is really interesting. Do you, what expensive. do you think that does to the truck market in general? Well, I think the, the truck market is, is so broad. And as Kevin Tynan mm-hmm. just pointed out, you know, it's everything from a two door work truck to, uh, four door. I mean, the Denali Ultimates are so luxurious. Um, they might as well be Cadillacs. And <laughs> the Ram. I mean, I definitely felt like uh, that could have been designed by an Italian. I don't know who designed the interior, but I'm sure it's somebody amazing at Fiat Chrysler. Um, they've done work, incredible work on uh, Ferrari, obviously, and a lot of other brands that are so international. You can feel that. Um, the the price issue is something totally different, right? Everything's been getting so much more expensive, and that's part of the problem with the Lightning. You know, I I try mm-hmm. and configure one for less than eighty or ninety thousand dollars, and I Good have luck. no. Yeah, but what can you do? Everything's yeah. getting that expensive, right? Yeah. When I first bought yeah. my Raptor, it was fully loaded, and it was fifty eight thousand dollars in wow. uh, two thousand fourteen. And I tried to put one together when I moved back in 2022, fully loaded for less than 85, and I couldn't achieve it. That's so much money. So yeah. much money. Yeah. yeah. Expensive. All right. What else are you looking forward to? Okay. So um, we kind of touched on the 718 uh, from Porsche. I think the the bigger question about Wait, that. Wait, will they though, have the Macan EV also? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Wow. And Macan is, is their best selling vehicle, period. So that's something to really look forward to. And kind of touches on what I was just going to say, which is. These new electric variants from Porsche will really be a test and to see, does the public want electrified versions of these already well-known and beloved models? Because they'll be you fully know, battery electric vehicles, right? No motor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, and now I'm like, wow, we just got done talking about the F-150 and we know it's very popular and successful. Obviously, fleet sales come into play with its popularity, but the electric version wasn't a smash hit. Um, now we're going to see an electric sports car. You know, the Cayman and Boxer are already very low sellers for Porsche. 
So making an electric version of that, those two vehicles, how is that going to go? You know, this, this is kind of a test. I don't know the answer to it, but it'll be really interesting to see if the public wants an electric version of their already basically lowest sellers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested. So there's the 718. And then the last one that I'm actually really looking forward to, because we haven't seen very much, is the 2024 Polestar 3. And this is, of course, Polestar is the brand owned by Volvo um, that produces all electric vehicles. Which is owned by Geely. It, which is owned by Geely, manufactured in China. And this is their first true SUV. Um, and I think we could say it would go up against SUVs from Audi or Land Rover, um, you know, something like that. I, I just basically want to see more Polestar because I really ha have liked the models they've come out with. They just don't have much out there. Yep. And I so, think it's, um, yeah. it's a really interesting story uh, because of... Um, you know the Chinese connection, and they're going to move. I know production to the U.S., which should uh, help. It's a really well-designed vehicle. The first one was amazing. Um, the second one is I drove, and it was very solid. Yeah, um, well-designed, well-made, very Swedish. Know, I mean, completely. And what I really want them to get to already is the Polestar Six, which is their two-door electric roadster. That I, they showed, um, I think it was this year, maybe last year, at Pebble Beach. I mean, it's they've talked about it for years. Um, they're saying 2025 or so to bring that out. And I, I just kind of want them to hurry up and, you know, like, start giving us more stuff. So uh, so the, one of the ways that Polestar is trying to get American consumers involved is by offering... Um, a short-term lease scheme that a, a bunch of manufacturers did a few years ago, and it kind of fizzled out, right? Like a subscription-based yes. lease scheme. So you can, they'll yes. say, you can lease the uh, the Polestar two, and you can cancel at any time after five months, and you can switch to another vehicle. And so what they expect to do now is trying to get people into the Polestar twos with the carrot dangling that they mm -hmm. can flip it for a Polestar 3 in six months when it comes out, which I think is cool. Volvo does yes. that as well. Um, no one else except for Porsche in like, I don't know, seven or eight states has a subscription-based service. But no one else does it anymore because it didn't prove it to didn't be a good really business work. model. No, it I was mean, too expensive. I mean, do you want net Netflix for your car? Well, I don't know. I mean, the problem is keeping costs down on the manufacturer side. I think it's a cool idea from the consumer mm -hmm. point of view, and um, we actually do it with my wife's Volvo. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think it's cool that Polestar is bringing people in as well. I wonder also, when I look at this car, looking at the Polestar 3, it looks awesome, and I don't even ask or wonder about the performance. Because now that we're yeah. in an era of electric vehicles, I know they're all going to be fast and the difference is only going to be marginal, right? It's, it's all about it's, design and I mean, I think I feel like all of these new cars have to have to say it's a 300 mile range. This seems like the 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 base the base level, I mean besides the Spectre, which that's its own thing, but you know, really it, it does feel like 300 mile per charge is sort of the standard and you know, maybe in the 4s for horsepower and then there's like a performance package that might get you above 500 horsepower if you buy the special thing, but that'll cut down on the range, but you know, maybe you want to be a little bit faster and more powerful. This seems to be the standard offering now regardless yep. of the everybody automaker. has to everybody yeah. has to put out like well, ours does 302 or ours right. does 307 you right. know um that is the the case with the last car that I'm looking forward to uh for 2024 which is the Kia EV9 
which Yay! is so like daddish of me. But as you know, I, I'm doing everything I can to avoid driving a minivan in my life. This is I support this. I support this. But this uh, but you know, I need room for rear facing car seats. And um, in terms of the electricness of it, I don't really care. The BMW iX, I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. You know, driving it Same. and the handling of it and the power delivery and that electric platform, I think, is amazing. But it is so fugly and. I'm not into their interior execution, so I'm looking forward to the Kia EV9. I haven't seen one in real life, and I think you have, right? Yeah, I've driven it, and it's actually on my list of my favorite things that I drove in 2023. I I can't say it enough. I was really surprised and really impressed. We don't typically cover Kia at Pursuits, but they are making no bones about the fact that they want to steal Land Rover uh, buyers and Volvo buyers, and I know you're a Volvo owner, so... It seems like they're making some headway there because they've got yeah. your attention. Well, it yeah. looks so cool in the pictures. It, it has looks a range awesome. of over, just over three, like three or four miles. Yeah. Um, it's not that it matters, but zero to sixty in four and a half seconds. <laughs> um, I mean, it for a five thousand pound vehicle or yeah. for a nine thousand pound vehicle, I don't know how much it weighs, but it's huge. Um, it's cool, and honestly. I don't know why, but I kind of am curious to see it up against the electric Escalade. Not in terms of performance, but just the look, just the look, because they both are, you know, seven passenger SUVs. And I might almost give the Kia the edge simply in terms of aesthetics. I agree. In real life. I agree. And well, I've only seen the, uh, the Escalade in real life Mm -hmm. when they debuted it here. I haven't seen Mm -hmm. the EV9, but it looks so amazing in pictures. And to me, it both of those these new uh, new cars have kind of a Land Rover Range Rover vibe. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Good um, looking. Well, um, I think that wraps us up, right? Yeah. What for are the you whole doing for year. year. I mean, are you are you having a wild and crazy night? I'm not. I actually have tickets to fish at MSG, <laughs> and wow. my wife has uh, put the kibosh on that. She said, "No way, Jose." I mean, just had she a baby, could go with you? Not even six weeks old. No, the problem is, and I agree with her, um, whenever I go see fish at MSG in the last couple of years, and I do whenever they're here, I get COVID. Yeah, so yeah. no, I'm just going to chill. What about you? Nah, what are you doing in um, uh, the City of Angels? Well, because I live in Los Angeles now, I'm going to do, you know, hippie things like recharge the crystals and, you know, nice. drink uh, drink lemon water in the morning and say a meditation and you know, set my intention for the new year. I actually, I'm kind of, I'm kidding about the crystals, but I, but I actually am serious. I was talking to a friend today about who had written out personal and professional goals. And I thought that's a great idea. And I just might have a sit down and drink some lemon water and set some goals for the new year. So that sounds like this, a great idea. This, I mean, this is very unlike me, but maybe this is my nod to living in Los Angeles at the moment. That does it for the podcast this week. I want listeners to know you can tune into my radio show every weekday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can watch me on Bloomberg TV from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. most weekdays as well. And I'm on Instagram at MattMiller1973. And you can find me on Bloomberg Pursuits on Bloomberg.com. Sometimes I go on Matt's radio show to talk to him. And you can find me online on Instagram at HannahElliottXO. We'll be back same time, same place next week. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Hannah Elliott. And this is Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Nyka. And I'm Skip Bronson. 
And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.